Isaiah chapter 53, verse number 1. Very familiar verse here. It asks a question, two questions. Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? To whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? We know, of course, that the Lord does not have arms, right? This is a, I can't remember the long word that describes what this is, so I'm, I'll mess it up if I say it. And, but we read throughout Scripture, you've heard us talk about it before, we read throughout Scripture how human attributes are ascribed to God. God is a spirit. Amen? And so He does spiritual work. Everything God does is spiritual. We may see something manifest in the natural, but he operates in the spiritual. The spiritual is eternal. And so the question is asked of the prophet, who has believed our report and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? The arm of the Lord is not speaking of a physical arm like you and I have, but it's so you and I can relate to God so that we can come. And he's asking the question, Who's seen the working of the hand of God? We work with our hands, right? We war with our hands. We do things with our hands. An arm is an expression, an extension of the strength of someone. And so that's what the writer Isaiah is prophetically asking. Who has seen the revealed arm of the Lord? It's an interesting study. I haven't exhausted it by any stretch of the imagination. It may be a fun one for you or a good one for you through the week ahead. Should you be so inspired when you begin to look in the Scripture and consider the arm of the Lord, the power of God to reach and to work where we may not expect Him to or may not comprehend or believe that He could. We find it often spoken of in the book of Exodus because we see the children of Israel after 400 years in captivity, in bondage to Egypt, we see them brought out by the miracle working power of God. We don't have time to walk through all of the Passover and the blood of the Lamb and the plagues, but we know that the Lord did all of that. And what probably looked impossible to a nation of people, think about it. It's estimated one to two million Israelites at that time after 400 years in Egypt. They are in bondage they are slaves to their masters, the Egyptians. They are making bricks. They are under the burden of their taskmasters. This has been this way for generation after generation after generation after generation after generation. For those that are living in this time, it's all they have ever known. They do not see change. They do not see a way out. But you and I can read in the book of Exodus that somewhere along the way, the cry of the children of Israel came before the Lord. And when the cry of the children of Israel finally came that day before the Lord, the Lord said, I'm getting ready to stretch out my arm. It may have seemed impossible, but God's arm 
is able to reach where no man can. God's arm is able to do what no man can do. And he took these years of bondage and in a small span of time, the outstretched arm of God reached in to the heart of Pharaoh, reached into a nation of people, reached into the lives of Israel and Egypt and said, I'm going to divide my people from that which has held them captive. I am going to break the yoke of bondage that's been here for four hundred years. I'm going to deliver them from that which has held them captive contrary to their will. Why would God do that now? I'll tell you why. Because they cried out to God. And He would not sit still. Let me give you some examples quickly from Scripture alluding to exactly what I'm talking about Exodus 6 and 6 says, Wherefore say to the children of Israel, I am the Lord, I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will rid you out of their bondage, and I will redeem you with a stretched out arm and with great judgments. Exodus 15, 16 says, Fear and dread shall fall upon them by the greatness of thine arm. Moses said, through all of these writings, again we see in Deuteronomy 4, hath God essayed to go and take him a nation from the midst of another nation. And he references different things. And it says, by a mighty hand and by a stretched out arm and by great terrors according to all that the Lord your God did for you. And Egypt, Deuteronomy 5 and 15 says, remember, you were a servant in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God brought you out thence from through a mighty hand and by a stretched out arm. The Lord did this. You didn't get yourself set free. You didn't break the yoke of bondage on your own. You didn't deliver yourself. You didn't make your life better. Here's what happened, Israel. The outstretched arm of God reached to where you were and brought you out. He broke the yoke of bondage. Deuteronomy 26 and 8 says, The Lord brought us forth out of Egypt with a mighty hand and with an outstretched arm and with great terribleness and with signs and with wonders. In Second Kings, the writer said, the Lord brought you up out of the land of Egypt with great power and a stretched out arm. Him shall you fear and worship, and to Him shall you do sacrifice. In Second Chronicles, the writer said, with Him, speaking of the enemy, is an arm of flesh, but with us is our Lord, our God, to help us and fight our battles. Psalm 98, the psalmist declared in praise and in worship, Oh, sing unto the Lord a new song, for He hath done marvelous things. His right hand and His holy arm hath gotten us victory. I could keep going, but I think you get the point. The Lord in His great power and His arm, the Scripture says, is not shortened. And so we see this evidence of the power of God reaching into an impossible situation. I don't know how many people cried out for deliverance in Israel. 
but it was enough to move the Lord. I don't doubt many of them cried out. But there's a difference between crying out and crying out for deliverance. Some people just cry out because of what they're going through, but they have no desire for deliverance. They just want the Lord to bless them where they are and take the pain of their choices away, but they're not interested in being delivered. I'm not talking about that kind of crying out. That's whining. That's a spiritual term. That's whining. I'm not talking about that this morning. I'm talking about the arm of the Lord reaching into an impossible situation and saying, I've heard your cry and I can bring you out. And the writer Isaiah brings us to this question that we read in verse 1 of chapter 53. To whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Who witnesses it? Who sees it? Who recognizes it? We understand. We won't take the time here this morning, but if you read the rest of Isaiah 53, we recognize that the prophet is, of course, prophesying of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, who we recognize as an extension of or the result of or the revealed arm of the Lord. He is the revealed arm I want to read to you a passage of Scripture, if you'll bear with me. And I pray, hear the words. If you can hear them while you're following along, do that. If you do better just listening and hearing, then don't worry about following along. But I want you to hear the word of the Lord here as I read Isaiah chapter 59. Hear the question of the prophet and hear the conditions that he describes in this chapter. Isaiah 59 and 1, he says, Behold, The Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save. I want you to hear that again. The Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save. What is the prophet declaring? I'll tell you exactly what he's declaring. He's saying there is nowhere God can't reach. There is no one too far removed that God can't reach to where they are. There is no situation so dire that God's hand can't get in there and reach to where they are. There is no life so far removed that God can't get to them. Somebody hear me this morning. I know exactly where I am in the Spirit. There is no life too far gone that the arm of God can't reach through the mess and the mire and the muck and the sin and the bondage his arm is not short he can still reach there he can still reach into the miry clay he can still reach into the dark pit he can still reach into the depths of hell his arm is not short that it cannot save stop believing the lie of the enemy Where sin doth abound, grace doth much more abound. Where sin doth abound, grace 
doth much more abound. I'm not talking about soft, warm, and fuzzy grace. I'm talking about the grace of God that works through the arm of God to reach where no one else can. Come on, pray with me right now. In Jesus' name. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save. Neither is his ear heavy that it cannot hear. Do you know why the devil wants you to believe that the Lord doesn't hear your prayer? Because if you believe that stupid lie, you'll stop praying. Stop believing the lie. Lay hold on the word of God that's true. The Lord's ear is not heavy that it cannot hear. The psalmist declared, he turns his ear to the cry of his people. But watch. Watch. The prophet Isaiah is declaring some things. But your iniquities, your self-will, your self-pursuits, they have separated between you and your God. And your sins have hid His face from you that He will not hear. He's addressing the children of Israel and their condition going into or being already again into captivity to Babylon. The Assyrians and... He's addressing what's going on and what's brought them to this place. But it's important that we recognize verse 1. We read how he started. Your hands are defiled with blood. Your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies. Your tongue have muttered perverseness. Nobody calls for justice. No one pleads for truth. You trust in vanity. You speak lies. You conceive mischief. You bring forth iniquity. Verse 5. They hatch cockatrice eggs and weave the spider's web. He that eats of her eggs dies, and that which is crushed breaks out into a viper. Now that verse can seem like, what in the world did he just say? And I was too when I read it, so I had to go back and don't just read over stuff. Go back and figure out what's going on here. Here's what, notice he's describing their self-will, their iniquity that separated them from God. He's trying to arrest their attention. Notice he started, come on now. God can still hear, his arm can still reach. But you've doubted that, so you've separated because of your self-will. And he names all these things. And he says they hatch cockatrice eggs. It's a type of a serpent. I can't remember what type they said that most people think it was something like a basilic serpent. I don't even know what that means. I, I didn't dig that deep. But what he's saying is you should be crushing those things. When you recognize, you know, a serpent's egg, if I, I hope I don't hurt your feelings here. This is the word of God, okay? And the prophet of the Lord, the Lord through the prophet, is chastising them and rebuking them 
because they are hatching cockatrice eggs. The implication was you should have never let what you saw in that stage come to life. You with me? You should have never let that come to any maturity. The moment you recognize it in the egg, it was still in his infancy. You should have crushed it at that point beneath your feet. But instead, what you did, you know how eggs, I know this is a little different than the one brother Hughes. You know how eggs come to life? They're nurtured. They're covered. They're incubated. They're hidden. They're covered up. You know why some of you are battling some serpents in your life? Because when they were there in their infancy and you should have crushed them, you just hid them. You just, you sort of sat on them and you, you thought you were hiding them. I'm going to tell you what you were doing. You were incubating them. You were allowing them to come to life and they came to life and now you're battling these things. You've hatched those eggs that you should have destroyed. But I'm telling you, the arm of the Lord is not showing. This is what the prophet's declaring. You've allowed things to come to life. You should have destroyed before it ever happened. Somebody hear the word of the Lord today. There are some things that would like to come to birth in your life. If you would get a holy indignation and righteousness in your spirit, this is the moment I recognize that thing trying to rise up. I'm going to put it under the foot of the Lord. I'm going to bring it to an altar. I'm going to sacrifice it there. I'm not allowing iniquity and unrighteousness and uncleanness to get in my life. I will destroy it before it comes to life in my spirit. That's not what they did. And this separated them from God. He said, you weave the spider's web. You eat of those eggs and you die. Verse 6, their webs, speaking of the spider web, shall not become garments, neither shall they cover themselves with their works. Again, what's he talking about? The Lord desired to cover them. The Lord desired to clothe them. That was His desire. But they did it in their own self-will. And this is not a positive thing here, talking about the spider's web. He's saying, hey, you know what? You've made your own garments. And what I would have clothed you with would have covered you. But their webs won't become garments. I can see right through them, just like a spider's web. No substance. No density. He's addressing their heart and their spirit. Verse 7, their feet run to evil. They make haste to shed innocent blood. Their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity. Thoughts of self, self-will, self-desire, self-longing, self-wants. Their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity. Wasting destruction in their path. The way of peace they have not known. There's no judgment in their goings. They've made crooked paths. Whoever goes in will not know peace. It's a bad situation, isn't it? It's a bad situation, isn't it? It sounds a whole lot like our world today. And if we don't repent, we could find ourselves in these verses. This was a call to repentance by the Lord through the prophet Isaiah. He was calling them to turn from all of these things, self-will, self-iniquity, 
the birthing and incubating of these serpents that had not yet come to life, or they'd already let them. He was trying to call them to turn to repentance. He's saying, hey, and here's what he's declaring. This is why he started with verse 1. The issue is not the ability of the Lord's arm to reach. And the issue is not that the Lord doesn't hear. That's why he started where he did. The issue is all of these things that have crept in, and you've probably noticed the word iniquity a lot, which is self-will. Verse 9, he said, Therefore is judgment far from us, neither does justice overtake us. We wait for light, but behold, there's obscurity. We want brightness, but instead we walk in darkness. We grope for the wall like the blind. We grope as if we had no eyes. We stumble at noonday like it's the night. We're in desolate places as dead men. We roar like bears. We mourn like doves. We look for judgment, but there's none. We look for salvation, but it's far from us. Oh, the condition of a lost soul. Our transgressions are multiplied before you. Our sins testify against us. Our transgressions are with us. And as for our iniquities, we know them. Please bear with me, but we have to see this condition. And we got to be honest with the word of the Lord if we find any of this condition in our own heart and life. Don't worry, we're going to turn here, but we got to see. We can't just skip over this where the light of the word of God seeks to reach into our life and give us understanding. In transgression and lying against the Lord, departing away from our God, speaking oppression and revolt, conceiving and uttering from the heart words of falsehood. Judgment is turned away backward and justice stands far off. For truth has fallen in the street and equity cannot enter. Yea, truth faileth and he that departs from evil makes himself a prey. Watch verse 15 there. And the Lord saw it. And it displeased him that there was no judgment. Now that can sound harsh, but it's not meant to be. Here's what the word of the Lord is saying. The Lord saw all these conditions we just read. And he was displeased that no one was speaking up and saying, Hey, stop going that way. Hey, what you're doing is going to destroy you. Hey, stop feeding that thing. It's going to come to life and it's going to choke out life from you. Hey, stop partaking of those things. It's going to be your destruction. Hey, that's what he's saying. The Lord was displeased that no one was opening their mouth and bringing judgment to a situation to bring correction lest the soul would be lost. That's what displeased the Lord. We live in a day and an hour. If we're not careful, we're, well, I don't want to offend anybody. I want to be really careful, you know. I'm just going to, I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to. And we need to be as wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Absolutely. We need the wisdom of God before we ever speak and open our mouth. I agree wholeheartedly. But this is an hour when we must not look blindly and sit casually and just watch souls disappear into eternal damnation and hell. We must recognize there should be a voice of judgment. That voice of judgment isn't one of condemnation. It's one of rescue. Of some have compassion, Jude said, making a difference. What is that? 
Compassion doesn't always look like, oh, it's going to be okay. We'll make it. Don't worry. Sometimes compassion says, hey, if you don't stop the direction you're going, it's going to destroy you. That's compassion. If you just keep going through religious routine, I don't know that you'll see him on the other side. There must be an awakening in your spirit so that you live unto him. That's judgment. You see the difference? That's what the Lord's talking about. It displeased him that there was no judgment. No one was crying out. No one was speaking out. No one was addressing these things. God forbid these things creep into the house of God. In the family of God. I become casual. I become religious and routine. Hurry up. It's already 10.15. I got plans this afternoon. I got things I got to do. The scripture says, judgment will begin at the house of God. Judgment will begin. Not in the world. But with those of us that have heard his word. Again and again. Those of us that pursued him. Sunday after Sunday. Thursday after Thursday. Judgment begins. At the house of God. But watch. Stay with me. We're getting ready to turn the corner here. The Lord saw it. It displeased him that there was no judgment. So what did the Lord do? Oh, well, kick him to the curb. No. Remember how Isaiah started this chapter? The Lord's hands not short. His ears not heavy. So the Lord... Saw that there was no man. And he wondered that there was no intercessor. Therefore, watch his arm. You see it? His arm brought salvation to him. And his righteousness, it sustained him. What is the revealed arm of the Lord? Isaiah 53, 1. To whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? It's been revealed to us. How did the Lord's arm bring salvation? I'll tell you. He robed himself in flesh and came and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. That was the revealed arm of the Lord. That's what Isaiah prophesied in Isaiah 53. This is what he's talking about in Isaiah 59 and 16. His arm, he said, nobody's crying out. They're all going to be destroyed. There's no chance of anyone being saved. I've got to do something. 
I'll stretch out my arm again. I'll go and I'll be the one that takes their place. And if they'll receive what I offer, my arm will bring salvation to them. That's the Lord Jesus. It's what He did. It's the arm of the Lord revealed. He put on righteousness as a breastplate, a helmet of salvation on His head. He put on the garments of vengeance for clothing, was clad with zeal as a cloak. Doesn't that sound like the armor of God that Paul told us to put on? Absolutely it does. He's telling us to put on exactly what was put on the Lord Jesus Christ. His righteousness. His salvation. According to their deeds, accordingly he will repay. Fury to his adversaries, recompense to his enemies, to the islands he will repay recompense. So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. Watch. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. Watch verse 20. And the Redeemer shall come to Zion. You know who Zion is? Zion's the church. Zion's the church. And the Redeemer shall come to Zion. And, see, there's more than him just coming to Zion. And to them that turn from transgression in Jacob, says the Lord. Verse 21, as for me, see, aren't you glad he, finished, he went on and we didn't just stay in the muck and the mire? As for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit that is upon you and my words which I put in your mouth shall not depart out of your mouth, nor out of the mouth of your seed, nor out of the mouth of your seed seed, saith the Lord, from henceforth and forever. I know I read that whole chapter, but I wanted you to see all of it in context. Now, we read those verses, and that is a, I think we all agree, that's a pretty dire situation they were in. All of that stuff, all that transgression, iniquity, the allowing of these serpents to hatch, all of this stuff that they were given to, totally given over, no judgment, no one crying out. But we know the rest of the story. Why? Because I ask us the question we started with in Isaiah 53 to whom? is the arm of the Lord revealed. I'm going to tell you, it's been revealed to us. It's been revealed to us. And the question becomes, what do we do with what has been revealed? Brother Reuben said it about casting your cares. There's such a richness of the Spirit and the presence of God manifesting here today with clarity and purpose in each life. But oftentimes what happens in our humanity, especially when we're self-willed or we're capped, wrapped up in transgressions like some of these things we read, is when the Spirit of God begins to move and we begin to feel the presence of God washing over our life, we immediately go to praying for self. I know because I've done the same thing. 
our the manifestation of his presence, we immediately, oftentimes, it's a broad brush stroke, but you know, we begin thinking about, oh, this feels wonderful. Lord, do this for me. Lord, change this for me. Lord, fix this for me. Lord, I, and, and, and we should do that. We should cry out to him when we're in his presence. You understand? But we must go to a place where we cast our cares, as we say, so that when he begins to manifest his presence, we become the voice of judgment and the cry on behalf of the Lord for those that have not found the way to him. This is what the Lord was seeking. This is what he was looking for. This was his desire. And we see the question that we said read in Isaiah 53, but we see the declaration in Isaiah 59 and 1. Behold, behold, behold. Look, pay attention. Notice the Lord's arm's not short. There is no issue with His ability. There's no issue. Your situation's not too hard for Him. Your circumstance isn't too bleak for Him. But if I'm not careful... I want God's arm to reach into my situation. But I'll not turn from all of these things that we just read about here in between verse number 1 and verse number 16, 15 and 16. Can you imagine if Israel would have said, Lord, deliver us from the bondage of Egypt. But we'd really like to stay here because we like Egypt. Deliver us from the bondage of Pharaoh. But we really like the houses we have here. And we really like the land that we have here. We'd like to hang on to what we have, but we'd like you to deliver us from the bondage we're in. And we would say, well, that sounds so silly. But if I'm not careful in my humanity, that's exactly how I pray. Oh, I may not say it that way. What I want the Lord to do. Lord, change my circumstances, but please don't ask me to change. Change my situation. But Lord, why would you expect me to change? And this is the divider that we see in Isaiah 59. The Lord's arm's not short. His ear hears your cry. But the thing that's separated from God is transgression and self-will. I'm not trying to be hard this morning. I'm not trying to be unkind today. But I feel I have fellowship. The arm of the Lord today. The arm of the Lord is saying, I'd like to reach into some things. I'd like to reach into some lost causes as far as you're concerned. I'd like to reach into some impossible situations. I'd like to reach into some broken relationships. I'd like to reach into a lost loved one that you think is so far gone, but I'm telling you, his arm is not short. Where would they run and where would they hide from the presence of God? They can't. They can't. So what does it take? It takes me turning from transgression. It takes me being a voice of judgment. And it takes you and I finding a place in prayer and saying, I'll cry out because his ear is not heavy. I'll pray because I believe the arm of the Lord to reach. I'll pray because I know he hears when I cry out. 
I'm not going to write them off. I'm not going to speak words of doubt. I'm going to not speak words of fear. I won't speak things that are contrary to what His Word declares. I'm going to speak in faith. God, You know right where they are in this very moment in time. You know the bed that they're laying upon. You know the place they set their foot last night. You know exactly what they're entertaining right now. And you're aware of it all. I pray, Almighty God, reach by Your hand to where they are. I pray, reach into their heart. Reach into their spirit. You who holds the hearts of kings in Your hand like rivers of water to turn them whithersoever You will. I pray, reach into their heart with Your outstretched arm, O God. Somebody... Awaken from sleep and purpose. I know a God whose arm is not short. I know a God whose ear is not heavy. Oh, that the church would be the voice of judgment, not in condemnation, but in an altar, in a place of prayer that says, let your arm reach. Call me crazy if you want to, but I believe the Word of God. And if God can hear the cry of Israel, and by the outstretched arm of God, He can reach and rescue one to two million people from bondage and bring them into a land of promise, I believe He can reach into these valleys and deliver 258,000 people from bondage and bring them into promise. But only if the church will find a place and recognize He's displeased with their condition, but He's looking for someone to cry out. not trying to be a broken record, but I want to say it until you believe it. His arm is not shortened that it cannot save. His arm is not shortened that it cannot save. Oh, how it must grieve God when I doubt His ability. Is anything too hard for the Lord? In Jesus' name. 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 If you are in bondage today, the arm of the Lord is revealed here this morning. You do not have to leave here in bondage like you came. Your mind can be loosed from torment today. Your heart can be delivered from fear today. 
you can leave here knowing peace. Because the arm of the Lord is not short. The arm of the Lord is not shortened. With a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. That is a very expression of the nature of God. An outstretched arm. You ever try to reach something on the top shelf you couldn't reach? Some of you can relate to that more than I can. I'm not going to call any names. You, you know, you've done one of these. But I relate to what I'm talking about. So desperately trying to reach. So desperately trying to reach. The writer, Moses, describing the Lord's reach to Israel, described him that way. He wanted them to get a picture of God's care and desire toward them. That the way he described him is his outstretched arm. Not like this. But the Almighty God described to Israel, He saved you with an outstretched arm. He reached as far as He had to reach to get to where you were. It doesn't mean He reached to His limit like you and I trying to get that item off the shelf. It means his outstretched arm means he reached as far as he had to reach. Somebody hearing today, he'll reach as far as he has to reach if you'll pray. If you'll pray, stand with me, please. His arm's not short. How far would you like him to reach? Or have you written the situation off already? Who would you like him to reach to? Or have you said there are lost calls, even though he would not say so? What situation would you like him to reach into today? I believe his ear is open. His presence has been manifested so clearly today. And there's an invitation. What circumstance do you need him? Now you can't try to pray your will into it. You got to put it into his hand. But would you invite him to reach in to that situation today? Can you and I open and honest before Him say, Lord, I don't know what to do, but my faith is in You. I know and have faith that when I cry, You hear. And I don't know what to do, but I know You have all answers. And I trust You reaching. And I pray, Almighty God, reach into this life today. 
reach into this circumstance today. Reach God as far as you have to reach to lay hold upon that heart. Reach, Lord. Come on, he's not worried about getting his hands dirty. He's not worried about the muck and the mire. He'll reach into the situation. He'll reach into the dirtiest, the most broken, the most lost, the emptiest. If he can just find an intercessor that will cry out in faith. Your arm is not shortened. I pray reach to my son. I pray reach to my lost loved one. I pray reach God today. I come to you humbly yet boldly according to your word, God. By your mighty hand and your outstretched arm, reach to them. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I'll turn from transgression. I'll turn from entertaining things I should have crushed a long time ago. I'll lay them on the altar of sacrifice to be destroyed. I pray, let nothing separate me from you and let your arm reach. Hallelujah. I don't care if you're 10 years old, 12 years old, or 82 years old. If you can speak, you can cry out to God and He'll reach. You can speak, you can cry out to God and He'll reach. Let faith arise in your heart. Let conviction grip mind in your soul. And let us speak the word to judgment. Let us cry out to a God that hears us. This altar is open to you. If you desire to pray here, whatever you do, pray. Come on, whatever you do, pray. Don't just pass over this moment. If the Lord has quickened someone or something to your spirit, then I want you to pray it in faith. Pray it in faith. Speak specifically. Don't just weep and cry. Speak specifically. Address it to the Lord. Bring it to Him who hears you. Bring it to Him who hears you. 